Resurrection Sunday. Aren't you glad that he is risen again? And uh, wow, what a, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord and, and just to worship him this morning. Let's start off with prayer. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, for your presence that's in this place. I thank you that your sweet spirit would guide us every step that we take today, Father, on this journey that we're about to take to learn more about you. I thank you, Father, for what you want to do in a church, do it in this church. What you want to do with the people, Father, do it in our people, Father. And what you want to do in a city, do it in this city, Father. We just thank you for your goodness and for your grace, and we say thank you. Thank you once again for the sacrifice that you made for each and every one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm excited about today. You know, Easter for a pastor is kind of like the Super Bowl. And uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to be a great day. I think I have a great message for you. And um, it's going to be real good. We're going to have baptisms at the end of our service today. If you've never been baptized and you want to do that today today is the great day to do it be resurrected with him you know we call a baptism the watery grave and the reason they call that is because it's symbolic of us going into the grave with Jesus and being resurrected brand new through him and uh, we'll give you an opportunity to do that after service today if you've never been baptized or maybe you make a decision today to serve Christ and you just want to do that as a act of faith, we're going to give you that opportunity also. So we'll be having a little bit softer into our service today. We'll be baptizing. Feel free as we baptize people today and we sing and we close out service today, the altars will be open. Feel free to come down to the altars and get prayer if you need it. Or feel free just to step out if you need to go be with your families. I promise we'll close right about 1130 today. Right on time, we're going to be thoughtful of your Easter egg hunts and all the fun stuff you have planned. But at the same time, we want to glorify Jesus today. Amen? Okay. Well, we're starting a brand new series today called The Counselor. And so open with me to Isaiah 9 and 6 real quick. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so today, we're starting a new series that's going to run for four weeks. It's called The Counselor. How many know that he is the wonderful counselor, the great counselor? He, he holds all the answers to all the questions that we have in life. And so we're going to start this series with different questions that Jesus asked while he was here on earth. And so I'm really excited about this. And today we're going to start off with, why do you doubt? And uh, it's a famous question that he asked Thomas. And poor Thomas was branded as doubting Thomas the rest of his life because one question that Jesus asked him. And so today I'm going to ask you that question. Why do you doubt? And maybe I can answer some of those questions for you today as we take our journey. So just imagine that on the stage, we had a big couch, we had a chair, and Jesus was sitting on the chair, and you're lying on the couch. And as I ask these questions over the next four weeks, I want you to think about these questions. And I just want you to just take a glimpse into your own life and ask yourself, 
Do, do I have this area in my life? Do I have this question pertaining to my life? Just ask yourself that question. So ask yourself, do you doubt? What do you doubt about? Do you doubt about Jesus? Do you doubt that he died? Do you doubt that he lived? Do you doubt that he was resurrected? And I hope to answer all these questions for you today. Some say I have a problem with doubt. There's people in this world that will say, I'm very skeptical, Pastor. I'm very analytical. Uh, I, don't, I don't trust anyone. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's just me or, or what, but I was raised by an old Cajun dad, and he liked to fish and crawfish and any kind of fish, shrimp. He liked to do all that kind of stuff growing up. I remember going to the beach and seining and catching fish, and, boy, the fish tells that I heard growing up. And so when he tells me I caught a fish this big, I think I doubt it. <laughs> I bet it was this big or maybe this big. You know, you ever notice that in the Bible, the disciples never say how big the fish were they were catching? They never say that because they want you to believe them. Now, we can believe the nets were full, but if, if Thomas came out and said, I caught a 46-pound bass, we wouldn't believe that, would we? Because nobody's ever caught a 46-pound bass, not even Matt. And uh, he's praying for one at the next tournament, though. 46 pounds, 3 ounces to be exact. And uh, that'll win the whole tournament for sure. But, you know, why do you doubt? For many, it's not simple or clean. For some people, they'd say, well, pastor, I've been going to church my whole entire life. I've been going to church since I was just a small child. And if it's in the Bible, I totally, 100% believe it. And that's great. I was raised in church, too. But I still had questions. There were times in my life where I'd say, you know, God, if you'll just let me pass this test today, I'll believe you're real. Or God, you know, if you'll just help me pay my bill today, I'll believe you're real. Do I have a connection problem going on? You know, so there's lots of little things. I've been skeptical my whole life about different little things and different things that have gone on. But there, there had to come a point in my life where I, it came to the cross and it came to resurrection that I had to make a decision on whether it was true or whether it was false. I remember my first time as a little boy going into church and, and, and seeing these church people and they were all dressed to the T and they, they, they gave in the offering and I'm like, really? They, they give the church their money? And then, and then I'd go to Sunday school class and they'd, they'd tell these stories and I'm like, are these stories true? Could a, could a man really be swallowed by a well? And, and I'm, I'm thinking about everything they're saying as I'm looking around my surroundings. And, and I'm wondering, are they telling me the truth today? Is this, is this real? Could it be so? Because I was skeptical. I was a little guy, but I just, I had these questions and these, these thoughts. And, you know, most people would say it's wrong to doubt. But I would say that I think only true faith sometimes comes through the most sincerest doubts in our life. Only true faith is built when you have some doubt in your life. Doubt comes in different shapes and sizes. Some believe there's no way God exists. Some say, well, you know, there, there might be a higher power. I don't know. There's lots of questions that people ask every day. Some people might say, well, I doubt he hears my prayers. I doubt 
that he has involvement in human life. Uh, he's bigger than that. He, he's got better things to do than to mess with you. Have you ever asked yourself any of these questions? Uh, they're real questions that real people ask every day. And so I'm hoping through this journey that we take that somehow, in some way, that you'll feel and you'll have an experience today that doubt can leave. And that you can know that He is the one true living God. Today I want to use a little bit of a different approach. I want to say sometimes you just got to push through some sincere doubt, sincere doubt, to know that He's God. To experience the true depth of faith. You know, only on Easter Sunday would my microphone do this. Only on Easter Sunday. I've been working on this for two weeks, and he's going to try to mess with me. Lying devil, get out of this building. And so um, that ought to tell you right there, God's real. I'm going to tell you what, the computer didn't work when we got here this morning. And, uh, but, you know, what a great job our praise and worship team did. Baby, thank you for all your hard work. <laughs> David, Ronnie. You know, Ronnie sits at home three or four hours a night playing his guitar, learning all these songs just so we can have good church on Sunday morning. That's somebody who's answered the question of doubt in his head. He knows that there's a real God, and he wants to serve him. Let's turn today to John, and then you can also put your fingers in Luke, kind of hold the place there. We're going to start in John 20, 24 today and go through verse 28. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. Give me, give me one of those handheld mics again. Okay. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, named the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. And then eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. Say with me, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. You know, it doesn't matter if the doors are locked in your life. If the doors are locked on your house, Jesus can show up right where you are. He can get rid of any doubt that you might have in your life just by showing up. And then he, he said, peace be with you. And then he looked at Thomas and said, put your fingers here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, Thomas, but believe. And then Thomas said, my Lord, my God. And then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing me. There's only 12 verses in the Bible that we read about Thomas. And in these 12 verses, he gets branded as a doubter. When in all reality, Thomas was actually a brave guy. When Jesus told him, let's go to this town, and they knew they were stoning people in this town, and they were afraid for their lives, Thomas is the only one in the group that said, I don't care if we have to die, Father, let's go. That's what he said, let's go. Thomas was actually a brave guy, but in this one little passage, we as the church, we brand him as a doubter. 
Luke 24, 36 through 8, 38. Jesus has just appeared to the two guys on the road to Emmaus. Let's pick up the story right after there. And it says, And just as they were telling about, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. And he said, Peace be with you. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. And he said, Why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Now, this is before Thomas ever came into the picture. We see in John at this point in time, Thomas was not with the guys. Thomas is not with them. All the rest of them are there, but for some reason, poor Thomas gets left out. Poor Thomas is not there. But he shows up and he asks all the rest, all the rest of them, why are your hearts filled with doubt? Yet we don't brand all the rest of the disciples as doubters. Every single one of them that walked with him, every single one of them that talked with him, every single one of them that knew him intimately, They knew what he liked to eat. They knew how he liked to eat. They knew how he held his fork in the evening time. They knew how he sipped his glass of wine. They knew how he walked and what his stature looked like. They knew everything about Jesus, but yet when they saw him, they were frightened. And from when they saw him, they were afraid. And Jesus looks at them and says, why do you doubt? Now, I don't know about you or me, but If Aunt Margie showed up three days after her funeral at my house and just mystically appeared there, I might be a little startled and frightened myself. I might step back a couple steps. I might even run. You might even hear me scream like a girl. (laughs) Ah, I'm gone. So Jesus says, peace, be still. That's what he tells them, peace, be still. It's okay. See, they saw him die. Why is it so so important that, that we see he tells them, why do you doubt? Because they saw him die. That's why they doubted. They saw him dead. They knew there was no moving. They watched him hang on the cross, which no one survives. They watched the blood pour out from his side. They knew the passion that he said when he looked at the Father and he said, it is finished. They knew it was over. They carried his lifeless body. And placed it in the tomb. So yes, they were shocked. Yes, they were a little perplexed. Yes, they were even a little frightened. And yes, Jesus looked just a little bit different on this day. Jesus had to tell them, look guys, did you forget? I opened blind eyes. I healed the sick. You watched the lame walk. Did I not tell you that I would give my life? And then three days later, I would rise again. Jesus says, look at my hands. Look at my side. Touch and see. You know, it's interesting that Thomas is not here. We know this because in John 20, 24, it says, now Thomas was not there. It's interesting. Thomas missed church. Think about it. Thomas missed his life team. He's not with the rest of the guys at the house at movie night. He's not there. Thomas is missing it. You know, when we miss church or we miss life teams, we miss a lot. Look, Thomas. Thomas missed the presence of God. Thomas missed the power of Jesus. 
He missed the proof of Jesus. He missed, he missed the most important thing just about. He missed the peace, be still of Jesus. That's what Jesus told him, peace, be still. There's something about being in the presence of God and only his peace passes only all understanding. There's something about being in the presence of God that we miss when we're not at church. There's, there's something about his presence. It says in his presence there's fullness of joy. That only in his presence there are all these things. Why, why is Thomas skeptical? Well, he missed the presence of God. He missed, he missed the proof of God on that day. He missed, he missed the touch of Jesus. He missed all of these things. And I can't blame Thomas. I can't blame him for being skeptical. I can't blame him, blame him for being a little analytical. I can't blame him for all these things. See, because just like me, Thomas didn't want a secondhand experience with Jesus. Thomas didn't want secondhand faith. Thomas didn't want that. You know, so many times in America today, I, I walk through the streets of this town even, and I ask people, I say, Hi, I'm Ryan. How are you doing? And they'll say, I'm, I'm doing good. I said, I'm the pastor at Trinity. Where do you go to church? Well, uh, I'm, I'm Methodist. I'm like, okay. Or I ask somebody else, where do you go to church? Well, I'm, I'm Catholic. Or I ask them, where do you go to church? Well, I'm Presbyterian. I didn't ask you that question. I don't care where, what you are. I'm asking, where do you go to church? But the deal is, see, the deal is they're saying, I'm Methodist, I'm Catholic, I'm non-denominational, I'm Presbyterian, I'm Baptist. They say all these things because the deal is this is how they were raised. See, it's just like political parties. You ask somebody, well, what you doing? Well, I'm a Democrat. My grandpa was a Democrat. My grandpa's grandpa was a Democrat. My grandpa voted for Kennedy. Well, that's good. My grandpa was old. That don't make me old. Look, I'm, I'm being honest with you. And the deal is we tend, we tend to ride other people's coattails. We tend to believe things because other people believe them. And see, Thomas, what I like about Thomas, Thomas refused to do this. Thomas said, I don't care what you saw. I don't care what you told me. I wanted to experience it myself firsthand, and I want to do it today. That's what Thomas is saying. Thomas said, you can think anything you want about me, but I want a firsthand experience with the risen Christ. See, what people tell me when they tell me they're Methodist or they're Catholic, they're telling me, I affiliate with Jesus, but I don't live for him. I affiliate with the church, but I don't go there. And see, they're, they're riding their coattails and the religious experiences they had with their parents or with their grandparents. For me, it was my sweet little aunt who, would, who was a police officer in our town. And she would pick, she worked for the sheriff's department. She'd, she'd pick me up every Sunday morning because my parents couldn't go to church. And she'd say, Ryan, Christine, get in the car, let's go. And she'd take me to Sunday school at First Baptist in Nederland every Sunday morning. 
Look, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, I'm Catholic, I'm everything. But most of all, I'm a Christian who loves Jesus. Because I had an aunt, I had an aunt that said, you know what, these two kids don't go to church, I'm going to bring them anyway. And then I'll never forget when my mom came to my room one time and said, Passed away one day. He went horseback riding with the Boy Scouts. They were crossing a paved trail and fell off and hit a tree. But my parents found Jesus shortly after. And, and we started going to that same church because it's where I'd went. And, and I started going to that church. Going to that church didn't make me a Christian. It didn't make me have a firsthand experience with Jesus. The pastor about the age of 11 told me, Ryan, you know, it's about that time that you came down to the altar and asked Jesus into your heart. So I went down and I said some words that meant nothing to me. And, and I said those words and they, they meant nothing to me, but I did it because that's what my pastor said I should do. And he, he told me that Jesus was alive and he told me that he had been resurrected and he told me that I needed to give my heart to him. So I did it. And I did what all the other boys and girls my age were doing. and I was baptized, but I was still lost. Because all I had was second-hand, second-generational faith that I'd heard but never experienced. Then one day, we, we'd switched churches. They had a, some kind of thing going on, and we moved to this other church. And, and they, they called it Triumph. I was about 13. I'm still at a Triumph today. Look at that. And, and so I went to this summer camp, and I got in some trouble. And I got in some trouble at camp, and I was good, but I was bad. But uh, so I got in a little trouble at camp, and it scared me. And that night, the, the guy gave the altar call, and I, I just felt my heart starting to beat. And, and, and it just got faster and faster, and I just knew there was something calling me, something moving on me. And I said, like, like Thomas said, you know, I want to experience him firsthand. And I, I walked down to that altar, and I said, today I make a choice that I'm going to believe in a resurrected God. And, and I made that choice in my heart, and I asked him to come to my heart and to be my Lord and Savior, and something happened. Something changed me. And I went home, and I was, I was baptized again, because it's okay, you can go down the water as many times as you need to, because there's a transformation that happens. And I came up a different person. And I knew that God had called me to be a pastor. I knew that God had moved on my heart. For each and every one of us in this room today, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord, you felt that experience. But I challenge you today, if you've never had a first-hand encounter with my King, today is a great day to do that. The disciples claimed He didn't stay dead. They had eyewitnesses that on the third day the stone was rolled away. He was no longer in the grave. Thomas said, i got to know if this resurrected Jesus is true. Because if it's true, it changes everything. That's what Thomas was saying. He's saying, I've got to know for myself. Because if it's true, it changes everything. You know that Thomas ended up going to India ended up going to, to be the first missionary to ever go into the Far East. He went traveled further than all the other disciples because he had a first experience and a first-hand encounter with God that changed his life. 
and he didn't care who said what, but he was going to serve his God. In fact, he ended up dying from a spear being thrust into him for his beliefs because he loved his God. I think it's funny that when Jesus shows up to Thomas, he bypasses all the rest. He goes straight to Thomas and says, touch Thomas, touch Thomas. See, Thomas, it's me. That's the love of Jesus. My goal and my dream for you today is that you'd have that firsthand encounter with Jesus. Will you say, well, well, pastor, is he going to show up here today before me? I don't know. He might. Or you just might be like me. You just might feel a tug on your heart, a pulling on your heart that tells you, I need to make a difference. I need to make a change in my life today. The way I've tried to live just isn't working. I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I need I need a personal experience with Jesus today. I need first-hand fellowship. You know what I love about this story is these guys were frightened from the point that Jesus looked When he was resurrected, he was also transformed. There's a transformation process that happens when God resurrects someone. There's a transformation process that happens in your life. And it happens through baptism. We can ask Jesus all we want to be saved, but even Jesus said, be baptized. Paul said you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And that's why we do it. We go down into the water. And we believe just like Jesus as we come up, we come up. There's a transformation that happens. In 1 Corinthians 5:17 it says if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. You know, we put a lot of emphasis on the cross. And on the blood of Jesus. And yes, it is the foundation on which our faith is built. The perfect sacrifice. Jesus, the Lamb of God. His blood being poured out to wash us white as snow. But without the resurrection, everything else is meaningless. Because then there's no point. It consummates our relationship. That's the resurrection of Christ. It's the consummation power that seals the deal and says you are saved. You are free. And when we get a hold of the resurrection process in our life, and we believe, and we finally, we settle in our heart, and we let the doubt go, and we say, I believe that there's a resurrected God. At that point in time, Jesus can resurrect your life. He can resurrect your marriage. He can resurrect the hope that is in you. He can resurrect everything about you and make you totally new. It's the resurrection power that moves us to a new place from being an old person full of sin, full of hate, full of lust, full of all of these things, and it makes us brand new. It transforms us and it resurrects us into what he called us from the beginning of time to be. From the start, Adam and Eve were created to live a certain way, and they messed it up. And Jesus came back just so that once again we could walk with the Father. We could talk with the Father. We could have a relationship with the Father once again.
a video of him. Okay. Now they're saying they saw him. Like he just suddenly appeared in the locked room. Uh, they didn't believe it was him. But then he showed them his hands and asked, Why do doubts arise in your mind? What kind of question is that? Why did we doubt? We all saw him dead. Anyways, I told them that I will believe it when I see it. Later, we were all praying. And all of a sudden, Jesus, he looked at me like, like I was the only person in the room. He told me to touch his hands where the nail had went through. And on his side where the Spirit pierced him. He came just to tell me, stop doubting and believe. I'm going to ask you today to stop doubting and to believe. It's a hard thing to do. I'm going to ask everybody as they begin to play to stand with me. You know, sometimes to have faith, we have to have a right now decision and a right now action. I'm going to ask you to make those decisions today. If you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you can do that today. Maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you feel God just having a little slight tug on your heart. Maybe you feel your heart starting to beat. Maybe you just, you're tired of living with guilt and, and with shame in your life. Maybe, maybe you're just, maybe you just say, Pastor, I need a fresh start today. Jesus wants to do that for you. You know, we used to teach the children at Children's Church, and we teach them the ABCs, that if you admit that you're a sinner and you believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and you confess with your mouth, He's your Lord and Savior. You can be saved. And He is so faithful. He's so just. And has such a grace that He, he just does that for you. It says in Matthew 21, 22, if we ask anything in His name, believing it, it shall be done. The Word of God does not lie. It does not come back void. It's never failed me in all of my years. He's answered all of my questions. Maybe not in the time I wanted them answered. Sometimes I've, had, sometimes I've had some doubt in my life, and I've had to push through it. And I, I pushed through it, and I just, and on the other side of doubt came faith. And when faith came and I stepped out and made the decision, God did some things for me that changed my life. And today I'm believing that he can do those same things for you today. So with all heads bowed, I'm going to ask you, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you feel a tug on your heart this morning. You feel God. You feel like God. Maybe you're just twitching around and you're nervous, and you're like, "Well, I don't. I don't know if this is God or not." Trust me, the devil doesn't want you to make this decision. I, I can relate. I can relate doubt to two things. When I'm sitting in my recliner at home, and uh, I'm trying to watch the news, and it's real quiet on the TV, and 
I hear all these loud voices and all this loud stuff in the background. And my kids are arguing. I hear daddy, 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 daddy. And, I, and then and and he kicked me. Or All the loud noise is like doubt. All the loud noise in the room is, 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 is that's doubt. But, but, but the news channel, just the quiet news, I have to listen a little closer. I have to pay a little bit more attention to what's going on to, to get what I'm trying to get. And then Jen will walk in uh, and I'll hear, hey, babe, what you want for dinner? You, you hear these loud things that happen in the background. Not, not that they're doubt in my life, but th- that's how doubt acts in your life. It speaks to you and, and it talks louder than everything else. But there's a still small voice, which is the Holy Spirit. And today I want you to just listen to that voice. If you never asked Jesus into your heart, and you feel in calling, and you want to have that first-hand experience, like I talked about with Thomas today, I just want to ask you just to raise your hand gently in the air, and I'm going to pray with you today. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me today. Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I've done lots of stuff wrong. I admit I've made a lot of bad choices in my life. But for me, I believe that you died and you were resurrected. For me, I believe that you're sitting at the right hand of the Father, totally alive today, wanting to save me. Now, I confess my sins, but most importantly, I confess you're my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me today. I'm now your child. In your name I pray. 